a lot of folks do have respiratory diseases, asthma for myself and my aunt passed on on the way to the hospital because she ran out of oxygen. My uh, great uncle had to be on oxygen in the last days of his life and my other uncle had to carry an oxygen bottle everywhere he went. There's no quality of life after they get affected. It's a familiar story. I'm standing with Fern Benali overlooking the Cayenta coal mine on the Navajo Indian Reservation. The hillside, no longer green, is a sea of black, dirt, coal, and gravel in piles the size of houses. Every few minutes, a massive truck emerges from behind one of these small mountains to receive coal from a crane and then disappears again, heading for the highway. The air stinks of sulfur. Fern's family has lived on Black Mesa for generations, but in the early 1970s, the Navajo Nation signed an agreement with Peabody Energy to open the coal mine here. There's actually three different coal formations on Black Mesa. It totals 20 billion tons, and so far we've mined 0.4 billion tons out of this top layer near the surface, the Weepa Formation. That's Paul Ostapuk, the Environmental Director at Navajo Generating Station, NGS for short which uses the coal Peabody mines. The power plant is just outside the city of Page, Arizona, about 80 miles away from the mine. It is the largest coal-fired power plant in the West, producing 2,250 megawatts of electricity. You know, NGS definitely has an impact. You know, we're big and we can't hide. The power plant's majority owner is the Bureau of Reclamation, which needed a power source for the Central Arizona Project, a massive canal that pumps water from the Colorado River over 300 miles to the cities of Phoenix and Tucson. There was a sense of environmental stewardship from day one here. Almost a third of the construction costs for this plant went into environmental concerns. Paul is proud of the work NGS has done to lower emissions. When asked about Peabody, though? The owners here buy the coal from Peabody. Peabody has their own set of agreements with the Navajo Nation. But we're joined at the hip. We can't exist without each other. We're joined at the hip, but we're separate. The Clean Air Act regulates coal plant emissions like sulfur and nitrogen oxides. But the consequences for failing to meet the limits often don't involve more than a fine. The coal mine has limits as well, but their emissions are much more difficult to measure. According to Fern, Peabody refuses to acknowledge the sulfur pollution or to pay for a study to determine the mine's impact on local residents' health. Corporate administration come flying in at 7.30 in the morning from Flagstaff. 4.30, the corporate airplane will leave and they won't smell the sulfur that settles down here from the coal mine, the pollutants, all the pollutants that settle. I was surprised to hear this story in the desert southwest. We're used to hearing stories of mountaintop removal in Appalachia, stories of acidic rivers and neighbors turned against each other. But in the southwestern states, cities like Phoenix and Los Angeles are projecting rapid population growth in the coming decades, and utilities are looking toward alternative energies like wind and solar to meet the increase in demand. However, before these projects can be built, they have an entirely different set of environmental hurdles to cross, and they are much harder to sidestep. In Southern California, near the town of Mojave, TerraGen Power operates the largest wind farm in the world, 400 turbines producing 1,200 megawatts. The eastern slopes of the Tehachapi Mountains are covered with white spinning blades, hundreds of turbines, some 90 meters tall. Multiple companies have come here because of the great wind conditions, 
but there's a problem. The wind farm is directly east of some of the best and only habitat for the federally endangered California condor, a species whose population has been painstakingly brought back from the brink of extinction over the past three decades. Yeah, we haven't had a condor hit yet, but it's just a matter of time, because right now, if a condor flew through here, Lord knows what would happen. We'd... <laughs> Probably not good. Kevin Martin is a wildlife consultant with Terragen, and it's his job to make sure the company is covering its bases. One of the most common arguments against wind power is that wind turbines kill birds. At their tips, the blades are spinning close to 200 miles an hour, and if one were to hit an endangered condor, Terragen could be charged with a federal felony. Once an animal's listed, you can't take it. So take means wound, kill, harm, harass, capture, shoot, poison, or attempt to do any of those sort of things. You can't really mess with endangered animals. That's Ray Bransfield, a biologist with the U.S. Department of Fish and Wildlife. He works closely with Kevin to make sure Terragen complies with the Endangered Species Act. Unlike the emission standards set by the Clean Air Act, which power plants like NGS may be given decades to meet, the Endangered Species Act is much more strict. It's like Ray said, once a species is listed, you can't touch it. Period. Terragen is building a new 100 turbine wind farm, which is equipped with an elaborate condor detection system that uses the radio transmitters attached to every bird. If a condor comes within that area, it automatically picks it up and it alerts a team of individuals that are trained to go out and then respond to that presence, just like the fire department. So what they get is a text, a phone call, and an email. Uh, and also, the gentleman that's sitting in here, if he doesn't hear back within three minutes of that everybody's either out responding or that they can respond, he will curtail the wind farm. If a condor is even detected coming anywhere near the wind farm, the turbines shut off. But on the Navajo reservation, NGS is buying coal from Peabody, who, Fern says, refuses to acknowledge the human health impacts of its mining operation. If Terragen doesn't do everything in its power to prevent harming even one condor, environmental groups with teams of lawyers will be ready to file suit against them for violating the Endangered Species Act. But Fern's community has been fighting the coal company for 40 years, and there are still no laws in place to protect them. The demand for electricity is the real problem here, and how we meet that demand in an economically and environmentally sound way is what it's all about. Energy demand is a problem, and in the Southwest it's getting worse. But the harm we accept to get that energy is a bigger problem. There doesn't exist an environmental law strong enough to protect people unequivocally, and with harsh consequences, like there is to protect wildlife from industrial threats. The loudest argument we hear against coal is that burning fossil fuels contributes to global climate change. The argument for the safety of communities like ferns is much quieter. If we really want to move away, not just from coal, but also from its legacy of harm, then we need to enter an era of alternative energy with strict laws that protect the people living next door. In the meantime, there are still victims who aren't being heard and who will continue to bear the burden of coal while the rest of America moves forward without them. For National Public Lands Radio, I'm Eric Niehaus.